those are the sounds of a silent office. How is the office today? Yeah, it's not bad. It's a bit quieter than it has been in here in the last few weeks. But we're back up on the fourth floor now, so back home. Alex, you've joined us today. How's, uh, how's your internet holding up? It's holding up all right, Wanza. Thanks very much. Nice. Uh, the wonders of new ways of working means that we can record this podcast and conduct interviews for the podcast from many different locations. But the move towards working from home does have its drawbacks. Yeah, including the fact that I've been able to bring my work with me on holiday. There is no escape. And a knock-on impact across multiple industries, including travel. Basically, what happened was our turnover went in the space of a few days from 100 to about 10% of what it used to be. But there are also benefits of working from home, or at least working flexibly. But making the most of the situation is something that I have definitely struggled to get on board with. Yeah, me too. And the government's recent clampdown on going back to offices is certainly causing further issues for the many local businesses which rely on office footfall. We also have a responsibility to places like Canary Wharf, like Manchester, uh, like Glasgow. We'll be delving into all those issues in this week's podcast. My name's Alex Janio, working from Clapham. I'm John Hewitt, working from Southwold. And I'm Megan Boxall, working from the FT's offices in central London. And this is not your normal finance show. I was absolutely desperate to get back into the office when it was like 36 degrees in our flat uh, and we had one fan between three of us. So we used to rotate who sat in front of the fan (laughs) in 10 minutes lots. This is my friend Alice who spent the first part of lockdown living and working at her boyfriend's parents' house and now having moved back into her flat in London over the summer has felt the need to go back into the office. We um, went to where my boyfriend's family lived for what we thought was going to be one week and then that turned into 10 weeks um, because of lockdown so we were there from March till like the beginning of June and working the whole time yep yep so um remote working so just yeah zooming every day all day every day and then so then you came back into the city when it was obviously safe to do so and there was more more to do when <laughs> rather than just sheltering at home um and that, so what was that like coming back in into the city in in the such over the summer um it was fine actually it was quite nice to be back um just because I, like all our friends live here and stuff was opening up again some of the pubs obviously started to open up and and actually before the pubs everywhere was doing takeaway and the weather was so great so we we're just like going to the park to see everyone um but i think the novelty kind of wore off had that like back to fo- back to school feeling at the beginning of September um, and then the office invited us to go in if we wanted to so I was like yes I need to come back in. (laughs) And how many of your uh, co-workers took up that offer? Uh, Just me and one other so (laughs) it's just at the moment well it kind of varies but at the moment there's like two of us who are consistently going in. Ironically we our fixed desks before Covid were like literally 2.1 they had to measure it 2.1 meters away from each other um so our facilities were like oh of all the people that wanted to come in like you two are the two that sit closest together um but we've like sorted out so we sit a bit further away and yeah it's fine we just like keep socially distant obviously um they've got like a really good cleaning program in place and it's kind of impossible not to be socially distant when there's only two of you there (laughs) so it's fine and like are they making you wear masks or anything like that in the office 
Yep. So when you're sat at your desk, you don't need to. Um, but when you're like making tea or just going to the toilet and stuff, you have to. But I know people that have gone back in that aren't even allowed to like make a cup of tea or a cup of coffee anymore. So, wow. um, yeah, we still have all our facilities open. So I feel pretty lucky. I don't think I could go into a day of work without having a cup of tea. Right. So, yeah. So now that the obviously the government guidelines are a little bit stricter, you do you think you'll keep going in? Basically, our leadership team stance is that they appreciate that not everyone lives in a house with a garden or like a spare room for a study and stuff so it's really unfair for people who like me who live in the city and don't have that situation to just carry on working from home um and I also live uh, we have three of us here and it's like impossible for us to kind of just kind of keep working and taking calls and stuff without interrupting each other so um yeah for now I, I guess it depends if they get stricter obviously then then they'll have to close it but like I say, we can, it's, it's probably safer <laughs> in my yeah. office than it is anywhere else. So, um, yeah, for now it will stay the same, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see. From central London to Valencia, our colleague at the IC, Alex Newman, went out to live and work in Spain in 2018. I've been working from home for about two years. Uh, I moved out to, uh, Spain in, yeah, September 2018. So I had some, uh, somewhat of a practice run before full lockdown forced everyone to work from home. Spain had a rough time of coronavirus right at the beginning of the year. So Alex, even though he was used to working from home, did see some changes. I suppose there's a, there's a few things. You're aware that everyone else you're working with is also confined and in, in, in a sense kind of always, well, not always on, but uh, on, on for a longer period of the day. So um, in that sense, I, I probably found myself working longer hours than when I first started working from home when, once we went into lockdown um, and the situation here in Spain was uh, the lockdown was particularly severe so for the first seven weeks you weren't even allowed to go out to exercise it was only medical or food appointments you could you could really uh, leave the house for so in that sense the opportunities to do other things was so curtailed that, um, that it, it, it does kind of turn your life into bit more of an office and and uh and uh uh, i I suppose in that sense working from home became um it became more intense but there are positives to be taken from the situation you know it's very interesting time to be reporting and writing about uh enormous news story so you know there's uh, there's, i suppose there's the 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 extra drive you know i suppose it's very particular and in a way privileged position to be in you know many people in office jobs and many more you know who don't work office jobs didn't have that sort of luxury you know I'd, I'd say there are there are elements to the way we've worked that say have kind of improved almost um under under lockdown so yes long long may those continue yeah no i'd agree and i also think like being able to speak to you and you being almost included more in conversations felt easier when everyone was remote because when it was just you who was remote it was like you were the only one on the screen but now that everyone's on a screen the fact that you were not there in, in person sort of made you the same as anyone out everyone else even though you weren't in the country yeah i mean throughout all of this i think specific, speaking specifically about office work or work that you can do for an office that you know that with in all of that there are still going to be big trade-offs i think and you know, do you lose some of the camaraderie? And I suppose debate takes a bit of a hit, doesn't it? Because you haven't, you, you, you know, interactions have to be a bit more 
process led or you have to agree to like we're doing now agree to line up a five minute chat rather than have a five minute chat mm. and so you know the, the danger is i suppose collaboration can take a bit of a uh, backseat or tasks can take a little longer sometimes and that it can occasionally lead to a bit of confusion um obviously for a job like journalism as well we're impacted by you know the ease with which we can meet companies or or contacts face to face um but uh, you know at the same time like like you said there in you know in in virtual interactions i suppose by restricting the time you interact face to face with people um it, in a way it can increase the value of, of those interactions and communications so yeah i mean there's i, th- I think there's a definite silver lining to um to to the ways we're forced now you know interact with one another even if it's now been six months i suppose and since a lot of us have seen one of those faces which is a little bit a little bit odd offices are certainly different from normal at the moment but not everyone works in an office at the start of march my sister beth set up an exercise business specializing in rehabilitation for people with clinically diagnosed illnesses bounce back exercise i provide one-to-one exercise sessions so that can be online at people's homes or at a local exercise studio. I also do group classes for anybody who um, has been diagnosed with a clinical condition. And um, I do online exercise videos, which are all free and they're all on YouTube. When lockdown hit, just weeks after she started her new company, she had to take it in a slightly different direction. It was very different than I expected because I originally planned to be out there handing out leaflets and going to support groups, attending meetings that um, patients would be at. But instead of that, um, obviously nobody was able to go outside at all. And so I had to start in a completely different way and just add marketing online, advertising online, which actually allowed me to reach so many more people than I ever planned on reaching originally. So I started by producing online exercise videos, which... um, I did plan on doing, but it was never part of the immediate plan. It was something I planned on doing much, um, much further into the future. But just doing those videos just allowed me to get my name out there and reach people who were really struggling in lockdown as well. So people who were unable to access exercise support. And so I was able to produce all these free resources for them. Hi, everyone, and welcome to day four of my Bounce Back Exercise programme. Today we have got a cardio workout, so this is designed to be a fun one, get some moving. If you like working out to music, then I recommend you put on some of your favourite songs. And then since then, you've started taking on clients? I started initially just taking on online clients, so I started via Zoom. And so some of these people were people who started by watching my videos and then decided they wanted a bit more personalised support, so got in touch about starting and some online sessions how do you do an online exercise session because that's an that's an industry that i think surely that's better face to face it was to begin with i did think it was very different because i'm used to um giving very hands-on advice and um guidance throughout the sessions but the um the online approach actually works really really well and especially because at the moment you can't do any hands-on you can't give any hands-on support anyway So um, the Zoom option just allows people to do it from the comfort of their home. It um, reduces so many barriers that are stopping people exercising in the first place. And um, yeah, it's it's a great way, I think, of being able to reach more people as well. Mm. And what about the fact that, because obviously what you're doing is people with disabilities, um, 
and disabilities that are commonly associated with more elderly people is the fact that it's online, that it's on Zoom. Which, do you think that's been at all difficult for people to get their head around? Not really, because I think a lot of people, a lot of more elderly people as well in lockdown have um, all been encouraged to use Zoom to stay in touch with their families. And I think some of them are actually really proud of the fact that they know how to work Zoom and it's something they're quite competent on on the computer. Um, and I think for a lot of them, what they need is is the motivation. So whether it is face-to-face or on Zoom, as long as they're having that um, face-to-face support and somebody to answer to, it makes a huge difference for them. Um, but Zoom, I think it is, it's really easy for anybody to use because all I'm doing is if, as long as they've got emails as long um, all I'm doing is sending them the link I've been working with people all over the UK and um, none of, well none of those people I would have been able to reach without the use of Zoom so it's it's been great you reaching you wouldn't have used if, <laughs> if it had been normal time I definitely wouldn't have used it I would yeah. never have even thought about doing um, online sessions with, pe- with people I would have thought about doing the free YouTube videos but never actually the face-to-face support with um, people remotely. So one thing that I found particularly difficult when I was working from home five days a week was that firstly it turned into seven days a week because you just can't get away from uh, from being at home and working all the time. And that was partly, as Alex Newman said in our little clip at the beginning, to do with the fact that there wasn't very much else to do uh, right at the start of lockdown. But uh, also because it's difficult to it's difficult to look after yourself properly when uh, when your work and your home life are in the same place. Indeed, I, I think um, you know working from home is something that is is a skill, and it's something that you, you have to learn how to do. Um, and part of that is is learning how to delineate between your domestic life and your working life. And you know to be flung into working from home in the way that we have been, I don't think it's really addressed. This, this kind of problem that actually most people are, are used to working in an office and therefore this is a massive change of behaviour for a lot of people and it's really, really hard for a lot of people to do. I think it's also represented a massive change in our personal routines and the way that we view the office and, you know, using places like, you know, sandwich places, prep, pubs, I think the office for many is now sort of an outpost onto other other places. It's now a place to stop in, do some work, and then go to the gym. And that's obviously going to have a massive impact on all these service industries, particularly in big cities, which rely on office footfall. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, it's yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> central London is still so quiet. I mean, I, I went to the gym at lunchtime today, and there's no one in there no one in there to the extent that i didn't realize that they had changed the uh, the men's and ladies changing rooms normally if you go into the wrong changing room it's really obvious straight away it was not obvious because there's no one in there how long did it take you to realize the error of your ways it didn't take me to i went i had went into the toilet and there was urinal and that's normally quite a clear sign but uh yeah it could have been really embarrassing you got quite far then <laughs> no, it was quite bad john how does it compare where you are uh, it's quite busy here. Um, I think lots of people are deciding that they're going to escape the city um, uh, and move out here. I, I, as we said last week, the estate agency market's booming here. You know, houses are selling because I think people want to get the hell out of London. But it's actually it's actually just generally quite busy, even though the weather's been a bit rubbish. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, certainly certainly compared to when we started going back to the office, which was was sort of weird. Twenty eight days later, like mm, yeah, it did. It felt like there had been an apocalypse. The other, the other thing that 
also feels a little bit otherworldly is an article that you've uh, dug out of the BBC today, Alex. I mean, it's pretty shocking. A man who has is really tracking his uh, his staff. Um, I mean, that is crazy. That kind of monitoring seems i mean the lack of trust in that business is it's just extraordinary and yeah i mean this is a this is a guy who leads a business who uses this software that allows them to kind of monitor what's going on people's screens and take screenshots to kind of ensure that accountability is still in place uh i mean i, I don't see the difference between where that computer is located whether it's in the office or at home whether he was monitoring his employees solitaire games before no idea but um it's interesting because he's definitely that represents a diversion from the direction of travel you've seen a lot of the bigger companies which will talk up their workplace culture the likes of twitter uh google which has said oh you can come you know you'll basically be able to work from home forever that actually seen a quite a knee-jerk reaction very early on into the into the lockdown and and maybe they'll be reversing his policies when they can really get a grips on what that actually means in practice um i've you know i'm aware of organizations that have deferring graduate scheme intakes for example and i'd be interested to, to hear from you too and you you're responsible for mentoring young journalists uh, you've done a long time and and how how that would happen and how you, you have to execute that when you actually don't have much contact with them i feel like from my perspective you learn so much from being around experienced uh, professionals and it's just not the same uh, being down the line from a google chat or, or phone call i think you're right alex i think uh, the office is a place where where you can learn from the people around you uh, where, where where accidental chats happen and lead to some some kind of innovation that, that takes the business forward, and that's all much harder to do like this. And yeah, we I mean we try to get our younger journalists back into the office for, for precisely that reason that that you know they need to be around people who have been doing this job for a long time to learn the, the trick to the trade. Yeah, managing people is really hard at home. I think you know the, the idea that it's easy to work from home, you don't have to commute. That's that's fantastic, but. But the management side of things, particularly in a sort of creative industry like we're in, is really, really hard. Yeah, absolutely. And taking all those things into account is something that has fallen to the management of big businesses as they weigh up their options for bringing staff back to the office. Here's Kevin Ellis. He's the chairman of PwC in the UK, a company which has a lot of young people working for it. And he's a big advocate for getting offices busy again. When we uh, shut down as everyone else did and moved to working from home, uh, we've always worked from home. We've always had 10% of our employees working from home. But to move to 22,000 people working from home overnight was a challenge. Uh, it worked well. It worked well for us. Um, but as we took soundings from our employees and discussed it amongst ourselves, a few things came to light for us. One was um, our average age is 31. Uh, so to assume that all our people can be lumped together and it works for them to work from home is probably a big assumption. And the feedback was a lot of our employees are renting flats they chose to live in not work in um they're finding it tough to be isolated um and therefore they're missing out on the camaraderie so i think there's work concerns societal concerns but also mental health concerns and then the other factor is that if we don't go back to work then all of our support services our security our catering the people that look after our offices they can't go back to work either and i think that probably is a challenge as well as well as the local businesses so I think the combination for me is around what's right for our people and then what's right for the people that support us. And I think the final point, which um, I think is, all, is also uh, really kind of of its time, is we're a learning-based organisation. And you can learn from home, you can learn online, 
But a lot of the learning in a business like ours is team learning, as well as innovating by joint ideas and sharing ideas. And it's much harder to share and watch others to learn remotely. One thing that is clear is that everyone, no matter how fed up with the government guidelines they are, is putting health first. For a company that has been shouting as loudly as PwC about getting people back to the office, safety has definitely been very important. We've got in place lots and lots of different systems. And the way we stepped into that is initially we opened six of our offices and we trialled that with a 15% capacity, 1.5, uh, with effectively um, one-way systems, markings in the lifters where you could stand, temperature checks on the doors, as well as lots of hand sanitizers and effectively heat sensors so that if you sat in the wrong seat, effectively it will get picked up quite quickly. And that sounds a bit kind of, kind of naff in a way, but the reality is we need people to sit in the right seat so we can clean those areas after they've used them. So everything is color-coded. But we then opened up all 20 offices once we kind of trialed it. Um, and now we've moved from 15% capacity, we're moving up to 50% capacity, which we can do with the uh, two-meter rule. So I think, I think my kind of our, our learning, if you like, was to step into it slowly and gradually and make people feel more comfortable kind of person by person, if you like. Mr Ellis was speaking to City AM for this interview, which has also been a big advocate of return to work. Well, this week, City AM launched something of a campaign, not to demand or insist that everybody gets back to the office, but to try and, and get people talking about the pros and cons of abandoning the office. Um, and we suggest that the cons are being overlooked at the moment, and you've touched on some of those. But we've also been clear or, that more autonomy, more flexibility, an end to what I think you've referred to as presenteeism, just being there, uh, an end to all of that down the line is a good thing, and it's to be encouraged. But that is different, isn't it, to the, a wholesale evacuation of our commercial districts and all the local economic issues that that will create. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think you know, the local businesses are reliant on the on the footfall in London. You haven't got the tourists without offices too. Uh, there are going to be a lot of jobs lost, I think, in the COVID-driven uh, recession that will follow. Uh, and therefore, I think we've all got a responsibility to play our part. And therefore, the community aspect of reopening the offices and supporting people back into work safely is important. I think also there is this point about trying it. I think for a number of people, they got used to being at home. They've forgotten the benefits of being in the office, both in terms of learning, community, support and innovation. And again, a lot of people I speak to said, until I came back in, I didn't realise how much I missed it. So I think, I think your campaign, or if you like, creating that discussion, is a really important thing to, particularly for London. And he's not the only... Big business manager calling for a return to work to support local businesses. Here's Barclays Chief Executive Jess Staley talking to Bloomberg. In terms of people working from home, it is extraordinary. We have some 60,000 people working from their kitchen tables that we had the technology, the systems, the controls, the compliance to do all that is quite something. But I should also add, we have 20,000 people in the UK that are actually working from offices. They're working from our branches. They're working from our call centers. Uh, and we expect and want to get uh, in a prudent time schedule, taking care of the health and well-being of our employees. It is important to get people back together in, uh, 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 in physical concentrations. Uh, we need to do it uh, uh, considering the pandemic. Um, but we also have a responsibility to places like Canary Wharf, like Manchester, uh, like Glasgow. Uh, so we've learned a lot. 
through this dynamic work environment. I'm sure we will use a lot of the things that we have learned going forward. Um, uh, but also, we, uh, we want our people back together to make sure we ensure the evolution of our culture and our controls. Uh, and, and I think uh, that will happen over time. Alex, has this lack of footfall around offices been playing out in the results of hospitality and retail companies? And have there been any regional differences so far? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the last statistics uh, available uh, in terms of homeworking rates I've been able to pick up on the ONS, uh, they go back to April, but they show that homeworking in London uh, did outpace the UK average. I think a much more interesting way of, of viewing what impact the homeworking trend is having uh, on business is looking at companies like Greg's uh, and SSP. Um, SSP uh, own companies like Upper Crosses airport and rail concession uh so greg's for example uh, at the time of recording they, they put an update out today uh, and footfall was down by about a quarter it's unfortunate for them because before the pandemic in their last recent their last four year results of this year they'd they'd really made a point of how they were repositioning their store portfolio to a place of workplace and travel which is you know it makes sense and they really talked up the success of one channel to market people who walk in looking for food and drink in a well-located shop and and now that's that's clearly not the case. And in today's update, they've talked up the fact that they've got a tie-in with Just Eat that just under three percent of their sales are coming from online, and you can click and collect from Greg's. I, just personally, I I can't see us all getting together and eating Greg's uh, on a Saturday afternoon or ordered ordered in. I just I don't see that. So I'd, I'd be surprised if they really thought that was the case. But you know, needs must. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's. It's difficult, isn't it? It's not. I mean, it's not just Greg's and other sandwich shops like that. It's it's places like Sainsbury's and M and S where you go and buy your sandwiches from at lunchtime. I mean, if you're working from home, you're not going to be using that kind of place, and you're very, very unlikely that that kind of convenience shopper's store is going to benefit from online sales. I mean, why would you want to order your sandwiches online? It's much cheaper to just buy your lunch from the supermarket. Um, so yeah, unfortunate timing that they said they were going to realign their portfolio to their store portfolio so it was uh, in places of heavy footfall because those places of heavy footfall have changed quite dramatically this year yeah and i don't really know what the answer is in the short term because high street footfall is falling again uh i mean that has tied in with the the curfew restrictions although greg's trading hours and pub curfews don't really line up but the point still stands that fewer and fewer people hitting the high street again and, and and that's bad for them too so they're caught in an awkward place really uh, one uh, one point that one thing that's really interested me is this model from Prep, the subscription, the coffee subscription. If you're not aware, you can do it, pay twenty pounds a month, get your first month free, and you can get coffees up to five times a day. Uh, gaps of one of thirty minutes to stop people doing a coffee run. But this is potentially a model the likes of Greg's and SSP could be looking towards. Greg's subscription, sausage roll subscription. <laughs> okay. I feel a bit ill thinking um, about that, but yeah. Alex, and how about the pub companies as well? Because that they obviously struggled over the summer um, and beforehand with, with the lockdown. Now things have started reopening. But the curfew and everything, that really throws a spanner in the works. And the fact that I mean, especially city pubs and pubs in places where people go after work or at lunchtime, that, um, that's really not, it's just not a good situation for them at the moment because there's no one passing. Yeah, and there's been, you know, obviously with the divergence of rules across, across the UK, I think, Boris Johnson today has, has made a slight error in the in the guidance on pub garden curfews and, and the intervening of households, uh, and apologise for that. Uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of, I mean, one interesting thing is, also is the rent revolution bars, for example, in a really sticky situation with their landlords, uh, and they've, they've told us and it, told us fairly recently that 
they've been receiving you know more and more letters uh, from uh, landlords' lawyers. So a lot of pubs were closing early anyway. I mean, a lot of pubs in the city when we've been back there were not staying open till particularly late. There was there were one or two. I, th- I think there's a self-imposed curfew that's been going on for quite a while anyway. And I, I, and I don't really think this moves the needle that much for most of those pubs, pub groups. But um, but, it, but it is, you know, it is part of this sort of how working from home has, has affected them. Regardless of the, the new rules, they're shutting anyway. People aren't up in town and they can't afford to keep them open. Mm, yeah. Not, not an easy time, but three weeks in a row we've managed to talk about the pubs in our podcast. So uh, we're, we're flying the flag for the, for the pubs, that's for sure. Another thing that Mr Ellis mentioned is that he's seen a difference in desire to get back to offices in different parts of the country. Eddie Bryan, Chief Financial Officer at Transport Group Go Ahead, which operates rail and bus networks around the UK, said something similar when I spoke to her after the company's financial results last week. Started off a very normal year in, in January, and uh, actually, ironically, on the day we were announcing our half year results mid March, uh, that day coincided with um, it, it had been a couple of weeks already of talks about COVID uh, over here, and Trump announced on that very morning that flights to Europe would be interrupted, which sent the markets tumbling down. And that, that's probably the day it, it started to really hit home. From there, um, we, you know, several, just a few days after that, um, the government announced that the country was going into lockdown and then followed by the school closures. And basically what happened was our turnover went in the space of a few days from 100 to about 10 um, percent of what it used to be. Um, so then that uh, resulted in us for taking really quick action in the first place in terms of um hygiene, cleaning, protecting our own people, um, and then obviously very quickly getting into discussions with government around the provision of essential services going forward and, and how what funding uh, they could put in place to ensure we kept running those services without incurring significant financial losses. So I think it's been, you know, we, we like to say in through the crisis, you know, we've had three main priorities, which were to protect the health and well-being of our colleagues and customers, to play our part in society, and then to maintain the sustainability of business. And that's very much the three principles we've stuck with as we've been through this. Um, And one of the most transformational aspects of this pandemic has been a trend towards working from home. Uh, The guidance remains to work from home if you can. What impact has this trend had on on GoHead? I don't know if we can pinpoint or put an estimate on it and and what perhaps have you done to mitigate specifically against this well we're, we're in a in a peculiar situation i suppose where we we can't we obviously have to follow government guidelines so we had over the summer we've actually seen a progressive build back of demand so it's been a little bit different between bus and rail so in bus um we've gradually built back to about 50-60% of pre-COVID passenger levels from the 10% that I've mentioned earlier. So that that's where we were at the start of this month. To be fair, so far we haven't really yet seen the impact of going you know, potentially backwards from the latest government announcement. We, um, we're yet to see more figures on that, but where we do have experience of it in Newcastle and, and around Manchester, we have where they have been in local lockdown for a longer period of time, is it's actually not been that significant. I think the people who, you know, it's easy to fall into a slightly London-centric view of the world where everybody's working from home. Actually, 
in many parts of the UK, most jobs require physical presence. And so in, in parts of the UK, such as Plymouth, for example, we've seen passenger demand building back up to about 70%. And I think, you know, it's easy to forget that lots of people don't have a choice. In rail, where it tends to be, I'm you know, being very generic here, but it tends to be uh, maybe more affluent people on average who commute on rail, that's only built back to about 40% of normal volume. Um, I mean, we don't know yet what last week's announcement, you know, what the impact has been on the numbers. So far, we haven't seen a significant reduction on the build back that, that we've seen. So I think we need a little bit more time to see that coming through. Um, but it's not going to impact every place in the same way. Absolutely. And obviously, workplaces all have different policies with regards to returning employees. But might we see some changes to timetabling services uh, next year if a trend, even at a, a much smaller rate, continues with regards to people working from home, staying away from the office? Yeah, I think one of the big unknowns at the moment of the current situation is, you know, those trends were existed already. So, you know, working from home, online shopping, etc. These are trends that have been around for a a little while now and the question is you know the extent to which the current situation will have accelerated those trends and what will be left of it when the pandemic is over and um, clearly we we believe we're going to have to adapt to uh, that that flexibility and you know things like for example trialing flexible ticketing you know we're in a world where people may no longer want a five day a week season tickets and we're pushing even though that's not our decision in terms of rail, this is something that we're encouraging the government to um, to allow us to trial. The other thing um, really to mention is it's not just about how much demand we're going to get, it's also about the patterns of that demand. What we've noticed in some areas is people may have been working from home, but it doesn't mean they're not going to travel at all. It may mean they go to the dry cleaners at lunchtime or they go out for lunch to a local place where they just catch a bus for a couple of stops. So the peak, the traditional peaky nature of transport with the morning peak and the evening peak is something that might evolve. And if that does, it could be good news for us in terms of optimization of our resources. Because at the moment in, in commuter transport, your resource requirement is driven by how much you need to put out there in the morning peak. And if you need, you know, if the peak flattens, um, you're potentially in a world where you can make more efficient use of your resources rather than have, you know, all your buses out in the peak and then them sitting around during the day doing nothing, waiting for the evening peak. Thanks for listening to Not Your Normal Finder Show and thanks to everyone who has got in touch with suggestions for future episodes. It's great to hear from you. If you want to get in touch, email us at icpodcast at ft.com. And if one podcast a week isn't enough for you, that's okay, because we have two more. Our weekly interview with someone who matters to your money is out on Mondays and John and Phil have their weekly discussion in the Alpha podcast on Fridays. Thanks to all our guests today and thanks to Alex for joining us for hosting duties. We'll be back next week when we'll be taking a closer look at divisive aim company Boohoo. See you then.